0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the pony stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. SMU lands in the college football playoff top 25 ranking for the first time in school history coming in at number 25 overall. In the college football playoff rankings that were, were released Tuesday night uh, in between a couple of big-time college basketball games, I might add, that were pretty enjoyable to watch. So for you guys that, that saw SMU come in at number 25, they come in right behind Navy at number 24, which I thought was certainly interesting. 22 is Boise State, number 21 Memphis, 20 Cincinnati, and then Uh, Just kind of rounding out your top four playoff teams right now. Number four, Penn State. Number three, Alabama. Number two, LSU. And number one, Ohio State. So we're going to react to the first college football playoff rankings and kind of how this one kind of went down and certainly where SMU stands in all this and kind of what it means. So let's start with, with SMU. And for me, this one really just kind of says... All right, you're in it, and you're certainly in striking distance for the group of five spot in the college football uh, New Year's Six bowl game, so that the Cotton Bowl. So if SMU wins out and gets some help from Memphis, uh, who would need to lose to Cincinnati, I would say is the most likely thing. I think SMU is going to end up jumping Boise State in the end. So if you, if you look at SMU's schedule down the stretch— they could beat Navy, which would be a top twenty-five win. They could beat Cincinnati again, which would give them an equal win over, or it would give them a win over a top twenty-five team in a conference championship game that had beaten theoretically, if SMU gets to this point, another top twenty-five team that SMU lost to by a touchdown on the road uh, in 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 Memphis. So for me, that gives SMU the chance to have two really quality wins down the stretch. East Carolina won't help them. Tulane even right now might not help them in the grand scheme of things. But for me, SMU with the opportunity to win on the road against a top 25 team. Now we'll see if Navy stays there if they do indeed lose to um, Notre Dame down the stretch here. But overall, I think SMU is in a fine position to end up still playing in the Cotton Bowl. And, and kind of having all of their goals still ahead of them because look whether if Boise State ends up unscathed throughout the rest of the schedule, they're not going to have a quality win left to kind of add to that mix. So for SMU to have two top 25 opportunities potentially with Cincinnati in the conference title game most likely and Memphis in the conference or in, and Navy uh, at the end of the season, that's big. I think, when people look at SMU and while they dropped a whole 10 spots realistically from the AP to the college football playoff, I think that's more of just kind of setting the table right now. I think they did a terrible job looking at quality wins when you have Navy in front of SMU at this point. and And I don't think SMU deser- got the credit that it deserved for what it would, was doing when they lost that game to Memphis. And, what they've done throughout the season so far, a win on the road at TCU, something uh, at the time top 25 Texas team couldn't do. And look, what, how that win over TCU looks down the stretch, we'll kind of see how the Horn Frogs go. But if you look at what SMU has in front of it, it, it has a chance to beat a, a potential top 25 team in Navy, potential top 25 team in Cincinnati, all likelihood a top 25 team. And that would make them the AAC championship you know, the champion, if, if if they can win out and Memphis drops a game. And that makes them as a logical you know, pick for, for the Cotton Bowl. I, I don't think Boise's schedule and, and, and strength of schedule is anything to write home about. Nothing really that they should get credit for. They beat a bad, bad, bad Florida State team that ended up firing their coach. And so when you look at that and you look at SMU playing all FBS teams this year, uh, Arkansas State on the road to open the season, North Texas, who – has been up and down, but uh has talent and and just getting credit for doing some of the things that they've done throughout the year, attempt beating a temple team that beat Memphis, doing those things, I, I think they'll they're in prime spot to rise back up the rankings if they're able to get some of these wins down the stretch and, and win out and still rep the conference in the AAC title game uh and then in the in the Cotton Bowl. And um for me, my, my top six just kind of looking at things i think lsu should be number one and i'm sure i'm going to get a ton of reaction on that one uh, from you guys but look three top ten ten, three top ten wins for lsu so far this year Uh, teams that were ranked in the top ten at the time texas has completely fallen off but they've been dealt with a rash of injuries i don't think they lose a tcu if they're at least at full health which they were against lsu outside of the running back position when they played them early Mm -hmm. in the season. So I don't think that's that win is getting enough credit on the road in Austin. And then Ohio State, I think the only impressive win to me is is beating Wisconsin the way they did. I don't think a Nebraska win on the road is, is that impressive with the way Nebraska's played this year. I don't think when you're Ohio State, a Cincinnati win is even that impressive to me, especially just kind of early on, you know, just being able to take care of business the way they did. Um, and there's just a certain level of athlete – that is at an Ohio State, that is at an Alabama, an LSU, a Georgia, um, that for the most part, those teams like Cincinnati, SMU, Memphis, they're just not going to be able to compete. And I'm sorry, that, that's just the way it is, top 25 teams or not. There's just a gap, and Clemson too, I forgot about them, but there's just a gap between the top five teams in the country in my mind, especially the top you know, four um, in my mind, in my top four Than the rest of the country So um, I've got Alabama number three Penn State at number four Because of their resume Clemson number five I think they end up in the college football playoff though Ohio State and Penn State still have to play each other And then I've got Oregon at six Their only loss is an Auburn game On the uh, on a neutral site far away from home um, In the final minute and, and from there they've been on a tear They've got a great quarterback I don't think that gets enough credit just how well Justin Herbert's playing so um, for me that's my top six uh, just for you guys to know I, I think Oklahoma can make a play back into the co- uh, into the conversation even with as bad of a loss as it is to K-State Um, and, and in, in that regard so I, I think for SMU right now they're they're fine they're in a good spot were they a little disrespected yes I don't think Navy should be ahead of them. I don't even think Boise should be ahead of them in a way. I think it should probably be 23 SMU, 24 Boise State, 25 Navy, if you have them in the top 25 at all. So um, that's kind of where my head's at with the college football playoff. SMU looking ahead to, to Tulsa, they've or to uh, East Carolina, homecoming 11 a.m. Central on ESPN2, a chance to, to just get back on track, to take care of business, be able to kind of handle your business, and show that you know, you're know you not going to let a, a game like the one um, at Memphis beat you twice. That's the, that's the big thing, and I, that's why I like the messaging for this SMU team so much is they've been able to, to kind of put things behind them, whether it's been a win or whether it's a game like Memphis. This will be their first test to put a game behind them, and I think SMU is going to be just fine handling East Carolina. East Carolina has been playing better. They had a great offensive performance against Cincinnati, but I think SMU is going to be able to take care of business. We'll talk more about that game with Stephen Igo of Hoist the Colors later in the week on that podcast previewing the game. I do want to get to SMU basketball. The Mustangs tipped off against Jacksonville State last night. Uh, As you're listening to this, I'm recording Wednesday morning and got the win over the Gamecocks to start the season 1-0. I've got some takeaways from that. We're going to talk about That and a lot more on the other side of the break of the Pony Stampede podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening as we continue to recap uh, and look at SMU's win over Jacksonville State to start the regular season off in Moody Coliseum Tuesday night. Look, I think when you look at this win for SMU, a bunch of newcomers get action as Tyson Jolly makes his debut and is really, really impressive, especially on on the glass and, and what he was able to do on the offensive rebounding end. And, and just overall, I mean, he, he, was, he was outstanding, I thought, and, and kind of lived up to the fact that he was so highly touted coming out of the, uh, coming out of the junior college ranks and, and SMU getting him as one of the top junior college signees in the, in the country. And so that, that was my main takeaway from it. I mean, look, when, whenever you're not going to have Kendrick Davis and, and Darius McNeil eligible uh, right away at least, Tyson Jolly showed that he can at least produce, at least be a legitimate option to, to step up and, and kind of carry that load because he's going to need to. It's a, it's a team that when you watched last night in the 74-65 win for SMU, I don't think you, you sat there and said, okay, all right, CJ White inspired any, any sort of confidence with himself coming off of the bench um, for SMU as a guard and as a backup point guard. You had Charles Smith, who, who came out and and had an early three and his only three of the night, and then at times kind of rushed some shots with with two other, um, you know, three point attempts on his two for six night. He had five points, uh, but was a was the only SMU player that that was in the the minus column in terms of um, in terms of differential and point differential. So all other SMU players uh, had a positive you know, differential plus minus wise while they were on the floor, except for Charles Smith, the fourth. So I mean, I mean, regardless of if he's talented, which he is, that's not something you love to see. Um, And outside of Everett Ray and Tyson, uh, or uh, outside of Everett Ray, he was uh, last on the team in terms of minutes, which I thought was interesting. I I think, look, when, when CJ White had, you know, went one for three overall, over two from three, he rushed a shot, rushed, just rushed a shot but he also had three assists on the night. He had three steals in 25 minutes. He was a plus six. But I think sometimes when you have an athlete like Charles Smith and and you saw him fly in there for for a rebound um, in in his time there, um, I think he missed it actually. But but he did fly in there. I remember seeing him kind of come through the air because you could see that hair. Um, I think sometimes you've got to let athleticism kind of learn on the go and, and see how it goes because I think in terms of who's got the upside this season to contribute a little bit more, Charles Smith is, is that guy for me outside of you know when you look at CJ White and, and Charles Smith. Emmanuel Bandemel uh, started off well. I thought uh, he cut to the lane a couple times and had two good baskets, but overall, three for 10, over four from three point range. He did grab five rebounds on the night and, and, and committed two turnovers. Uh, he had the second highest plus minus rating on the team. Uh, plus 10 in his 28 um, or 26 minutes of action. But another storyline for me is Fran Hunt. He crashed the glass really well, was a a, a rebound short of a double-double, had six offensive boards, which was tops on the team with Jolly right behind him with five. He was aggressive. He didn't have a terrific night shooting the ball. He was five of 12 and 0 for two from three. And, And so his shot still needs some work. But I thought, he was pretty impressive and he was tops on the team in plus minus. I think that's kind of an, a continuation of what we saw from him last year. And sometimes just good things happen when Fran Hunt was put into the game last year. And as we kind of discussed, I thought a lot of times last year he was taken out too early or, you know, penalized for making a, for taking a, a shot and missing. And and so for him to get that type of you know, action, I think, and, and have that type of impact on the game was, was pretty nice. So um, was pleased with, with with Farron Hunt and kind of watching where he's come. Isaiah Mike was excellent. He had the second on the team in, in uh, scoring and, and tied for, uh, well, he was fourth on the team in rebounds with five. He did have four fouls, so not exactly what you want to see, but led the team with four assists in 27 minutes and was a plus seven and and only committed one turnover. So I thought uh, overall Isaiah Mike was was strong and continued his, his strong play. But look, I think when you have a team like Jacksonville State have this type of success that they did on the offensive glass, it's concerning for sure. I, I think missing Everett Ray out there with his size, even he, he played eight minutes of action. I mean, when you're trying to get somebody ready to go, and Tim Jankovich kind of said that was his regret. He, he said he wished he could have played him more. It was just kind of the flow of the game that that led to him. His limited minutes, the only player that didn't reach double-digit double minutes, but um, so I, I expect to see him more against New Orleans on a week uh, from the season opener on, t- on Tuesday night in Moody. But when you give up 13 offensive boards to a team like Jacksonville State that didn't have really any sort of size, um, that, was, that was a big concern, I think, for me as you get into the non-conference play when some of the better teams you start to face come in and hit the glass hard and, and do all those things. Um, that was that was a big concern, and it's stuff you can clean up. And but I didn't think they were rebounds that were kind of flukes or things like that. They they just ended up just grabbing them, and and so um, they've got a lot of work to do cleaning up that. I thought they did a good job cleaning up the turnovers that they had in the first half. I think they had eight. But on the flip side of that, SMU was pretty pretty disruptive for, for Jacksonville State, forcing nineteen turnovers throughout the entire uh, game. That was really impressive, and. Uh, defensively, they were able to hold them to, uh, to just um, to just 23 of 56. So it got better in the second half. They gave up you know, 45% from the field. And it, so the two halves kind of flipped. SMU held them to 37% in the first half. And then uh, in the second half, they, they shot 45%. SMU shot 48% in the first half, 39% in the second. They kind of went into a lull when they faced the press. And, and that's going to be an issue. If, if Kendrick Davis isn't eligible... And isn't able to go. That's going to be something to watch all year. And it's and when you watch the SMU team with Jimmy Witt at the point guard uh, and Jamal McMurray, it, it was the year that Shake Milton uh, was out um, for for much of the season. That was uh, really really rough when you watched SMU break a break a press. They were a lot better at it last year. I think the, the the story was kind of out on SMU and how to how to stop them and and stopping them on the press was a part of that. This year, they're going to have to work on it. And and that's no disrespect that Tyson Jolly is a terrific athlete. But right now, with what they have at the point guard position, not only with the the youth of, you know, C.J. White, Manuel Bandamel being sophomores, and Tyson Jolly being a newcomer, you're going to have to really work on this so that everybody's on the same page. They're able to break the press, and they don't get into the kind of lull that they got late in the second half when, you know, um, USF ended up bringing it to an eight-point game with just over two minutes to go. But overall, I mean, you get through game one with a win, which is important. The newcomers scored 32 of SMU's 74 points. Jolly led the way with 21. And then Bandamel added six and, and Charles Smith added five. And uh, they, they shared the ball pretty well, assisted on 15 of 26 made baskets. So overall, I thought it was kind of what we expected it wasn't anything to write home about by any means but you get through a season opener you now have a week until your next game which is against new orleans on tuesday night in moody coliseum seven o'clock on espn3 and you're kind of able to to just move on and and kind of get going uh with the rest of rest of your season and now you have something to to take a look at and 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 kind of assess where you're at and and what you you know, able to do as a team without Kendrick Davis and without Darius McNeil. And to touch on those two guys, look, I, I've talked with a bunch of sources and I've kind of done some digging on what the status is because the, we're seeing around the country anywhere from you know players being denied and then they're appealing and then they're getting denied on their appeal, and then you're also seeing players that just haven't gotten a decision and. And sources continue to tell me that SMU hasn't gotten that initial decision. And so, and they harped on it too. They said, no, we're not waiting on a on a waiver or we're not waiting on a appeal and we just haven't said anything. We are waiting for the decision. So right now, as it stands, let's say, and, and I believe this, that Darius McNeil is going to have a tough time getting a waiver. That's my opinion. I just don't think his case is as compelling as maybe a Kendrick Davis who TCU's supporting the claim for SMU. But let's say Darius McNeil gets denied. So you look at Darius McNeil, if he got denied today on Wednesday, SMU would have 7 days to file an appeal. From then, it takes 7 days to get an answer back. The NCAA must give an answer within 7 days of you filing the appeal. So let's say he got denied today, SMU filed the formal appeal on Friday. So, and part of the reason why I say that in terms of the couple of days is because if you get denied, you have to come up with a new you have to come up with a new stance or an additional stance to say, "Hey, wait a second. Here's the hardship, but here's even more detail about the hardship to show you that it was a hardship and that you shouldn't deny it." So, if SMU gets denied on Wednesday, puts that together relatively quickly, submits it on Friday, then at the earliest or at the latest He's looking like he'd be able to play. So if a week from Friday, he'd be able to play for Jackson State on the 16th. So that's another game that SMU could be without Darius McNeil for. Kendrick Davis, on the other hand, he's got a slightly better chance. And, and SMU does feel confident that they like where they stand with Kendrick Davis's waiver. And Tim Jankovich has gone on record saying he's confident on both of them. But I think the one that they really feel confident on is, is Kendrick Davis, the TCU transfer. And uh, him being... A point guard, a true point guard, distributor, quick, tough, defensive-minded, and, and, and being able to run the show will help the press, will help Tyson Jolly move to the two. That would be such a big addition. If you think about Kendrick Davis and Tyson Jolly being your one-two combo after what you watch Friday night, or uh, not Friday night, uh, Tuesday night, you got to feel a lot better about SMU's offense um, and just kind of their defense overall and, and their tenacity on the court. And and you you're able to put those two side by side with Isaiah Mike and then Farron Hunt and Ethan Chagwai out there, that's a pretty good starting five. Still don't feel good about the bench overall. Um, Want to see guys just produce a lot better in in every kind of scenario for the most part. That are that are coming off the bench, Farron Hunt and Tyson Jolly are kind of your guys that really produced um, in terms of guys that haven't produced in a in a. SMU uniform at a real, real high level to start. You've, you know what you've got with Isaiah Mike. You generally know what Ethan Shagwa is, and he was kind of exactly what he is uh, in the season opener. But um, those are your kind of four guys right now. And from there, you don't, I don't think you feel a ton of confidence in, in everyone else. That's just kind of me talking out loud. So if Kendrick Davis was to get denied too, that could be another game that you missed with the New Orleans one. And then if you think about it, if they haven't gotten a decision as of Tuesday, if you kind of fast forward it a couple days and maybe they need more time to get Kendrick's, you know, um, appeal done. Because here's here's the thing, guys. And people would say, "Oh, why don't they file it right away? This is your last chance. You got to make sure it's right." And if you've got denied on a case that you you feel pretty strongly about, you're going to have to put more effort into it and finding even more compelling reasons to get them. People are going to say, well, why didn't they have it in the first place? Because nobody knows what the NCAA is exactly looking for in these scenarios. SMU has a support of TCU in this one for Kendrick to be immediately eligible. They feel like they have a good case as to why he had to leave TCU. And if they don't get it on the first run, then look, they're going to have to come up with additional reasons that he needed to leave TCU and that he should be eligible right away for SMU which is interesting because obviously uh, from what we've discussed in the past the reasons would be wasn't treated well TCU's coach Jamie Dixon has kind of been you know for just not great to a lot of his players mass exodus in the offseason you can kind of read the writing on the wall there but then TCU has to sign off on that reasoning and an athletic department isn't going to sign off on another one saying hey your coach was terrible to this player he ran him off thanks for supporting it but will you guys say that he was terrible to him as well and ran him off so that's kind of the deal with smu's appeal they'll have to get creative and find a reason if it does come to an appeal as to why kendrick davis should be eligible so it's kind of an interesting thing there tcu has to sign off and be vetted on that reason to support the claim so it'll be interesting to see kind of how it goes down and and so realistically i mean as this thing kind of drags out i mean it could it could stretch into monday against uh when you go on the road at evansville and i you know it all the way to november 18th i mean when you look at it we sit on the sixth on the sixth right now if you don't get word until the end of the week then you submit your you know uh your, your appeal, maybe early next week, then they've got to have a decision in seven days that puts you past um, both Jackson State and Evansville. So it's a kind of a precarious situation for SMU to be in when it comes to these uh, waivers that they're requested. But look, guys, talked enough about that. We've beaten the death the waivers on the board. I Did post some VIP tidbits on kind of some of the things I've heard around the country that, you know, with other colleges dealing with this. So if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to check out a Pony Stampede subscription. Try free for seven days. Give us a shot because, look, you'll get our coverage through the East Carolina game and into uh, the game against uh, New Orleans on Tuesday night as well for the basketball side of things. But now also, and I want to remind you guys, CBS All Access is included in your Pony Stampede subscription. So for a $99 value that you used to have to pay separately for, it's now included in 24 seven sports subscri- subscriptions, 10,000 shows on demand. You can stream live TV, whether it's your local CBS station or it's your you know, CBS Sports Net or what have you. SEC game of the week, NFL football. You can stream it with CBS All Access, which is now included in your Pony Stampede subscription. Try it free for seven days. Check out CBS All Access. Check out our VIP tidbits, and see what you think. Then you can decide if you want to pay monthly or the annual. So, look, with that, guys, going to wrap up the podcast. Quick, just reminder: we're going to have another pod this week. Stephen, uh, Stephen Igo is going to preview East Carolina with us. He's with our East Carolina 24-7 sports site. And then we're also going to talk a little recruiting. We'll preview homecoming game, of course, as well on our end. And then SMU is going to hit the recruiting trail later in the week. Sonny Dykes is going to be out. So like I said, pick up that Pony Stampede subscription to see where Coach Dykes is heading out to, see what players he's going to be scouting. With that, going to wrap up the pod. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And thanks for listening.